0: Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, your weekly source for questions and answers around equity and yoga, hosted by Jeevana Heyman and Amber Carnes. Join us each week for powerful conversations with thought leaders at the intersection of justice, knowledge, and practice. Welcome to episode 22. I'm your host, Amber Carnes. In this episode, Jeevana Heyman welcomes M. Camelia and Pooja Singh Tichkowski to learn more about the mission of the Trans Yoga Project. The Trans Yoga Project is a collaborative effort supporting trans people's spiritual wellness through community re-education, advocacy within the yoga and wellness industries, community building, and creating guided practices by and for trans and non-binary people. M. and Pooja share deeply about how their collective begin their work together and how the shared values of the group have led to this new project. Em and Pooja talk about the subtle and overt ways that assumptions and language can make yoga spaces feel unwelcoming, unsafe, or inaccessible. This rich conversation invites us all to investigate how we might be creating harm and inaccessibility for trans and non-binary folks and reminds us of the responsibility we each have to shift, learn, and advocate. Hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go.
1: All right. Hi, everyone. This is Chivana, and welcome back to the Accessible Yoga Podcast. I'm so happy today to have M. Camellia and Pooja Tichkowski. Did I say your name right? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for being here. And um, we're going to talk about the Trans Yoga Project, which I'm very excited about. And um, maybe could you both just introduce yourselves a little bit, um, and then we'll talk about that project. What do you think?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Em, um, do you
2: want to go first? Sure. Um, yeah, my name is M. Camelia. My pronouns are they and them. Um, I live in the Washington, D.C. area, and I am a yoga teacher. I work closely with Juvana at Accessible Yoga, uh, and I'm also one of the co-founders of the Trans Yoga Project.
1: Hey, um, everyone.
3: I'm- my name is Pooja Singh Tichkovsky, and my pronouns are they, them. And I am currently on unceded Chumash and Mikanakan land, um, just outside of LA. And I am another part of the Trans Yoga Project.
1: Hmm. And also, you do other stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, I know you're a, you're a musician, right?
2: And a teacher.
1: Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah, music. Music is a huge, huge part of my practice, kind of also connected with my yoga practice as well. So kind of feels like one big thing.
1: Yeah, it's great to meet you finally. Yeah, you um, too, Gita. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't, I didn't say my pronouns, which is something we should talk, I hope we'll talk about today. So my pronouns are he and him. And um, so I wonder, can you tell me, either one of you, about the Trans Yoga Project and maybe just how it started? It's pretty recent, right?
2: Yeah, it's pretty recent. Um, we uh, all came together, the eight of us, um, for a what we thought was a single workshop back in August, I think. <laughs> um, and uh, some of us had known each other prior to that. Um, other of us were meeting for the first time. Um, but we just had a really great experience working together on that first workshop. and decided we wanted to keep doing work together. And then after some time co-visioning and um, thinking about other projects we'd like to take on, um, we formalized a little bit more and became the Trans Yoga Project.
1: That sounds awesome. And now, so what are you doing now? Like, are you still, are you creating things? I mean, what is the, do you have a plan?
2: Pooja,
3: we, you want to find that one? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we are still very early in the process of kind of establishing who we are as a group and what we want to do together. So we're definitely creating some educational stuff. So we've, we we um, did some different events for the Trans Day of Remembrance and Trans Awareness Week. Um, we hosted some different classes. We hosted a couple workshops. We also did a memorial and celebration of life um, for T door itself, um, so we have we have a few different things in the works, but we really just want to create more community and more spaces for trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming people in the yoga and wellness uh, kind of world, um, mm-hmm. and also creating some educational resources for cis people as mm-hmm. well as trans people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it seems like two is kind of a two. S- part mission, right? Like, one is um, educating the general public, maybe, is that right? And then the other is actually actively creating space.
2: Um, That's right. Yeah. Um, And that's really how we describe it also, is is kind of having that two-pronged mission of doing education for uh, non-trans folks in yoga and wellness spaces, and then also creating space specifically for and by trans folks.
1: Could you say more about those two things? I mean, I just maybe how, how is that different? Like, what is maybe, I mean, I'm hoping to spend time talking about both of them, but I guess I'm curious if you could like differentiate them a little bit more. Like, how is that, or are they this, are they related? Like, by educating the general yoga community, does that create more space, or is there another piece to that that I
2: that's. Uh, That's certainly the hope, right? The hope is that um, through the educational events um, and courses that we're able to create, that more yoga teachers are able to hold affirming space for trans Mm -hmm. folks. Um, At the moment, um, we've just noticed collectively and in speaking to our trans and non-binary peers that um, those spaces are in demand but don't really exist. So there's also a little bit of immediacy in terms of um, wanting us to create some spaces as well, um, as we work to sort of broaden the, um, the, what am I trying to say? The breadth of people Mm. who, (laughs) who are able to hold space like that effectively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Did you want to say something about that? No, I
3: think, I think Em said it really well. It's such a um, such a kind of big arena that we're entering into. And I think in some ways we're still really figuring out exactly where we can serve best. So um, it, it is kind of an open-ended thing, but Em M explained it very well.
1: I mean, one of the things about your about it that I'm excited about is the kind of the collaboration that I see happening from the whole group of you. Like it feels to me, it's always so great when a group of people get together and work in that way. And I I imagine it's challenging. I mean, I don't know, just from the groups I've been in and the work I've done, you know, that kind of grassroots organizing is, but it really starts with the kind of a, a core group that shares some, basic ideals or something is that so is that kind of how this started? Yeah.
2: Yeah. um, I mean, I mentioned uh, when we were talking about formation that uh, we went through a visioning process and that is really ongoing and it'll continue to be ongoing. But one of the things that we made sure to do during that process was have a conversation about what our values are. And I think we even had like an Excel spreadsheet where we were all listing the values that we personally hope to embody and that we also wanted to uh, make sure we're embodied by any group that we, we came together to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was definitely part of that foundational conversation um, before we even got to you know what mm. we want to do specifically or what our mission statement was.
1: Mm-hmm. So I wonder if um, could you both talk about like the the challenges that you see or like what what are the problems in yoga and why it's not welcoming for trans folk? Like what what is I mean, I, I'm sure there's a lot of things, but, do um, you know what I mean? Like maybe people yeah. listening may not be aware of the challenges. Um, yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. There are, I mean, like you said, there are so many. The The first thing that comes to mind is language. Um, language is such a huge thing. And it's one of the first ways that um, we normally interact with people and, as you mentioned in the beginning as well, pronouns are such an important part of creating affirming spaces for trans and um, non-binary people. So uh, just for people to start to become more aware of the language that they use and the ways that um, they use language to address other people can be, it may sound somewhat insignificant to some people. if, If you just use the pronouns that you used since you were little and that feels right for you, then it probably doesn't seem like a big deal. But to someone who identifies as something different than to what they were assigned at birth as, um, it can be a very traumatizing experience to be misgendered in that way. So even something as seemingly small as using someone's correct pronouns can actually be such an affirming thing for a trans or non-binary person. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think, again, that's like one of the few or one of the many things I should say.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that um, I appreciate what you're saying about how if if you are using the pronouns that you were assigned and it never occurred to you to do differently, then it doesn't you don't realize the the impact it can make on someone who is um, who's working on that, who's changing their pronouns or um, wants different, to to use different pronouns than they used to use. I think it's always helpful to ask, right? Isn't that the best thing? And to introduce yourself with yours, like I meant to.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, (laughs) I would say that that's the best practice, right? Um, First modeling, um, you know, sharing your own pronouns at the beginning of class or the beginning of a conversation, um, and certainly asking. I mean, I think If I could give you a core piece of advice, (laughs) it would be not to make assumptions and we could, that's Mm. a really broad piece of advice, but I think it applies almost everywhere. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a yoga class and been setting up my mat or what have you. um, And as somebody who presents more femininely or, you know, stereotypically femininely, um, having a teacher walk in uh, and address the whole room as ladies, you know that's a a pretty big assumption. Um, And I understand what I look like. And I understand um, that we are taught to assume that people who look like me are women and use she her pronouns and don't mind being addressed as ladies. But um, it's just also not true. (laughs) And it is harmful. So um, yeah, I think it it really just boils down to like, don't assume you know anyone's identity or how they want to be referred to. When you look at them, you need to mm-hmm. to ask.
1: Yeah, that's helpful. Any other things? Thoughts about like the kind of the damage that's done or the danger? Um... Mm-hmm.
3: I. Um, or... Go ahead. I was just gonna say for me I think one thing that I've really realized as I get deeper into this work is that it's very subtle the damage that is done and the the trauma that we experience um it can be very subtle sometimes it is very glaringly obvious and extremely um you know even physically painful but oftentimes it's it's much more subtle than that and it's it's something that we, internalize in a way that we kind of just, uh, or I should speak for myself, I have internalized it in a way where I often think like, oh, like, I'm just taking it too personally, or I'm just making a bigger deal of it than it really is, or something Mm -hmm. like that, where it's like, it is an extremely big deal how we are addressed and how people interact with us. So um, again, just referencing the language aspect of it, to be misgendered in that way. It's just something that kind of chips away at you little by little and the um the the more you kind of experience it in different ways and there are certain spaces where it's very easy to come out and say like hi my name is Pooja my pronouns are they them but in other spaces like even just saying my pronouns can feel like I'm putting myself in a very vulnerable um space to be to be attacked in some way, maybe not even necessarily um, physically, or maybe not even verbally. It might be more of like an energetic kind of attack where people people's kind of conditioning mm. just gets projected onto us. Um, so mm. again, the the trauma that we experience is so complex, but but I think the thing I would say right now is that it is quite subtle. So just starting to learn more about this and becoming aware of these subtleties so that we can, whether we're talking about um, our own kind of internal healing or whether we're talking about learning about this so that we're not harming others, um, just learning about the subtleties of it.
1: Right. Because generally speaking, I mean, it seems like uh, trans and non-binary folks already are putting themselves out there. So like you said, like saying your pronouns feels risky, but just, being in the world already probably you are subject to some harassment or abuse right i mean is it like that's already an experience that is happening definitely
2: i mean yeah yeah, for a lot of folks it's true um you know again as somebody who is read by the rest of the world as you know fitting into a binary gender box even though i don't I feel mm. like out in the world, I'm generally safer than than a lot of trans folks are because mm. I can mm-hmm. just allow folks to read me as cisgender um, and not correct them if I need to. If I don't feel safe sharing my actual identity, um, but I would 100% agree with Pooja that like a lot of times, both in yoga spaces and outside of them, it's it's death by a thousand paper cuts, right? It's um, mm. you know every time I have to use the women's bathroom or changing room, right? <laughs> and there's no mm. you know, actual option for me. It's mm. every time I, you know, call a doctor's office to make an appointment and I'm addressed as ma'am, right? And it's someone I am probably never gonna speak to again. I don't necessarily want to have to explain my pronouns or identity to someone. So I usually won't say anything, which is actually, I think a pretty privileged position to be in, but mm. um, it's also hard (laughs) it's also hard to not be seen
1: yeah yeah i would think so um so these so i guess i was just thinking that you know using correct pronouns and asking people their correct what their correct pronouns are is a way to help prevent that kind of um feeling of uh, you know othering of like not being welcome and you know feeling like that person has to stand up for themselves and like make a big deal like so i I guess for for yoga teacher for cis yoga teachers it can be helpful to make that effort so that trans and non-binary folks can feel welcome right is that the point
2: absolutely yeah i mean and i think there's something there too about um like It needs to be an actual practice and i literally mean like practice using pronouns at home with your pets or stuffed animal right because it (laughs) is i'm serious i'm serious okay my stuffed
1: animals
2: (laughs) yeah yeah have a you know like have a a stuffed animal if you don't have a pet that you refer to by gender pronouns and leave it out so every time someone asks about it you have to explain why you have this teddy bear on your kitchen counter right and then you're going to have to use you know, like a gender neutral pronoun or an unexpected pronoun. Um, Oh yeah.
1: yeah. Well, you've helped me a lot. Um. I mean, I have to say (laughs) working with you for years, it's definitely helped me to get it straight. And it's, it's hard because so many people, it's people who talk to me about you, um, you know, use incorrect pronouns. And it's like, I'm more, I, you know, and I try to correct them, but it's just, I can see the amount of work involved. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I mean, I feel like it's, it's almost more hurtful to me. And again, I'm just speaking for myself. When um, someone asks for my pronouns, and I tell them, and then they Mm. continue to use the wrong one. Mm. Um, Like, that feels to me a little bit performative. Like, you know, you're supposed to ask the question, but you haven't actually done the work behind the scenes to make sure that you can refer to me correctly. um, And to like, really understand why this is important. And mm-hmm. so that's where I'm like, you need to do the home practice, right? Like you need to yeah. get some experience with this if it's hard for you. And that shouldn't be on any, you know, trans person. It should be on a pet or a stuffed animal or, right. you know, some other kind of practice with something or someone that is not going to actually experience harm from it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, because like our, our the way we speak is... Um we get, we get into patterns, so it's good to break those patterns, you know, and create new ones. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Um, I know I am finding that I'm using they, them more than for, for, just for everyone because it's just feels more inclusive. Like, you know what I mean? Just, uh, if you're going to default to something, sometimes that's like a default. Um, what else, though? Any other things that you could think of? I mean, just wondering, like other ways that harm is done um, in the yoga world. <laughs> uh,
2: I-, I mean, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of gendering that happens that um, mm-hmm. I think is sort of taken for granted, and I think Puja can also speak to this. But it's not just pronouns. It's not just you know greeting a group with uh, gendered language. Um, it It is that, you know, gendered restroom situation, that gendered changing room situation, that um, mm. gendered like clothing lines situation, um, mm. the, you know, prevalence of prenatal classes being, you know, marketed as like women's spaces, when there are definitely folks who are not women who experience pregnancy and childbirth. Um, And uh, it's also, like, in the studio, in the classroom, um, you know, we make all these assumptions about bodies, right? Like, Mm. oh, men have short hamstrings, (laughs) you know, Mm. and women tend to be more flexible, which, like, maybe that's true for a lot of people, but, you know, it's definitely not true for everyone. And, again, it goes back to what I was saying about assumptions, right? So I'll hear cues like, Men, you might want to sit up on a blanket to take this mm-hmm. forward fold, mm-hmm. or bend your knees to take this forward fold. Um, wow, sorry, my cat's just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'll hear those gendered instructions, and um, and it's just really unnecessary. I think I think there's a lot better ways to say, with more specificity, what you actually mean in that situation, right?
1: Right. And not and make assumptions.
2: Pooja, mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. And not make assumptions. Um, Puja, you speak really well too, to, um, you know, talking about like the divine masculine and feminine and its use of mm-hmm. classes.
3: Um, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's something again, like we were talking about with the language, it's just so ingrained in us. It's, from, from every aspect, I mean, I feel like no matter what part of the world you come from, um, it's this gender binary is just ingrained in us in so many ways. So when we're thinking about it in a yogic context, there's often, you know, there are different deities that represent the divine masculine or the divine feminine. And this is not about gender. You know, when we're talking about these energies, like maybe if we refer to it more as like a solar and a lunar energy, it can make more sense to people where it takes it out of a gendered context. But um, we often find you know, it'll be like being in goddess pose and it's it becomes this feminine thing that's like for uh, w- women, for like people bo- born assigned female at birth. Um, mm. So again, it's like doing goddess pose has nothing to do with being assigned female at birth. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it has nothing to do with your anatomy or anything like that. It's about an energy. Um, so if we can start thinking about the way that we approach these practices more from an energetic perspective and thinking about the ways that these energies work together again like i said like thinking about solar and lunar instead of masculine and feminine um just to start to break that conditioning because um there is there are aspects of the divine feminine that are kind of depicted in a very particular way and again they are they often use things that we think of as being feminine, as in female, Um, but again, that doesn't mean that that can't relate to someone who identifies as a man. Um, So again, really just moving deeper into, or moving beyond the binary, I should say, not just in language, but in in anything, in anything, the way we think about poses, the way we think about philosophy, the way we think about really anything.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I really appreciate that. The, 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 two, the energies that you're talking about that are like within all of us. So regardless of how we identify that, the yoga teachings are about kind of an internal balancing of those energies, right? I mean, that's, isn't that... Is that what you're saying? That's it's, yeah. it's, it's an internal.
3: Definitely, it it yeah. it is kind of hard to to explain in a very concise way because there again there is so much complexity to it, and even even when we talk about sol- solar and lunar, it kind of mm. still keeps it in a certain binary context. But yeah. we have to understand that it's not it's not one thing or the other. It's a spectrum, and there's always kind of places along the spectrum. So we have to think we can have these kind of binary references if we need them, if they help us to understand something better, but we can't stop there. We have to look at it in a bigger context where it is again, like I said, a spectrum. So everyone exists somewhere on the spectrum, whether we're talking about gender or other aspects.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I just know as a cis man that I, Feel like often excluded, you know, from yoga because of that emphasis on that the I don't know what it is, the divine feminine or something, and the way it's used sometimes in yoga spaces. I mean, I I under I think I know why. I think sometimes people are trying to empower women. I think maybe is what they're trying to do, or people identify as women, but it does feel exclusive to me and not yeah not welcoming and not diverse um in terms of what our experiences are and also i think like what you're saying is not getting at the truth of what the teaching is which is beyond that right it's not about gender really right yeah Yeah. that's interesting i think i think there's a lot of that i mean happening in yoga spaces um all right, and so and how about positive things? So any positive things we could be doing? Um, we talked about using correct pronouns and maybe being careful not to um, make assumptions about, um, well, in general, about people, but also about groups of people, language like, um, what did you say, ladies or guys, you know, like to avoid that, I'm sure it would be useful. Yeah. But are there other kinds of ideas that
2: you could share? Yeah. Um I mean, I think that some of this becomes a lot easier when you have real context for why pronouns are important, why um, right. certain you know languaging is potentially harmful, and so I guess I would say something that you know teachers can do particular or studio owners or other wellness practitioners is you know actually take some form of training, and that that doesn't have to be with us though it is something that we're you know working on and offering. Um, but like, really get to understand um, understand that spectrum, or you know, I think sometimes it's even beyond spectrum into like a three dimensional shape that is, you hmm. know, gender, um, and start inquiring with that. And I think um, you know, part of self study uh, for everyone should be like just to ask the question, right? Like, there's no harm in asking the question you know, is woman, is man, is she, is her, um, something that's resonant for me when I really look within and sit with that, because you might find that like, yes, absolutely. That is what resonates with me. And then there's no harm, no foul. Right. But, um, you know, you might also find that something else feels more resonant. And even if there's no change in resonance or what feels resonance, you, um, You've engaged with the process on a deeper level, and um, you can definitively, you know, speak for your identity and who you are and claim that. And I think you, I think when I talk to cis folks who have gone through a process like that, who have asked the question and sat with it, um, they have so much more appreciation for um, how powerful it is to have asked the question and found an answer that that feels resonant right and it makes them more able to understand why trans folks being affirmed is important right
1: Mm. that's great i mean also it feels like connected to yoga practice
2: absolutely yeah
1: you know like self-exploration and trying to understand our not only our own um Identity and the way, like, the, what is it that we've attached ourselves to? What is it that we believe we are? And yeah. um, are, are those true? And are those, you know, that that's kind of the essence of yoga, right? Is like those burning questions. Um, who are you? Or who am I? Yeah. I say.
2: yeah. And I will say, too, just from my experience, um, I was not someone who was asking that question until... I really started to engage with trans folks around me, um, like parts of my queer community and queer circles who were also giving that sort of encouragement to, you know, make this one of your questions, question everything, including your gender. And when I really inquired with that and sat with it myself, like what I found was that I didn't feel any internal sense of gender. Um, I felt like, all of the you know things that i did identify with that i thought made me a woman were external things and that internally um i don't experience gender at all um and so I, there's a word for that it's agender um mm-hmm. and um i Use agender and non-binary interchangeably for myself. Not all non-binary people are agender, but um, I I feel it to be a form of non-binary identity in the sense that I don't identify as man or woman, the two you know binary genders that we've all been taught. Hmm. Um, but you know, for me, that was um, that was part of my yoga practice, and it continues to be. I continue to to check in and excavate. And because I found this, you know, answer for myself in that moment of uh, there's there's no internal experience of gender here, all it did right is like set off the explosion of additional questions that that spurred for me, right? Like, okay, well, if you don't feel an internal sense of gender, then you know, what influences your clothing choices? You know, what influences um, you know other behaviors in your life? Um, Where is that coming from? How much of that is coming from within you somewhere or, um, you know, externally? And it really helped me get deeper into my understanding of just how much of what we think is innate is actually very surface and very external, um, Mm -hmm. which is a tool that I needed, right? In my practice, (laughs) yeah um, and has really informed the way I practice and the way I teach
1: yeah. yeah I mean that seems very much what yoga is like I was saying I mean yeah. that's great right, that those questions and self-analysis yeah thank you for sharing that how about you Pooja? can you tell us a little about your story I mean
3: yeah um even I want to reiterate something that M said as well mm-hmm. um that gender is like beyond a spectrum it's like a 3d thing so like really seeing the complexity in it and then um with that i think a big thing that i want to point out is that i think a lot of cis people think because they're cis because they're not trans or because they don't identify as non-binary or gender non-conforming that this is kind of like not for them this is like this is, this is work for trans people, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's a big misconception because even if you are a cis-identifying person, a, if you are a cis person, um, you can still explore your gender as much as you want as well. There's no, like, mm-hmm. rule book that says you can't. So I think it's, um, again, like we talked about with the pronouns, I think normalizing it is... The best thing for everyone it's not that doing this work um, is only going to benefit trans people it will benefit everyone because everyone will be able to kind of step outside of these boxes that they're expected to live in um, mm-hmm. and then
1: right,
3: yeah. also with what em was saying about how they use non-binary and agender age interchangeably for themselves um, I think that is a perfect illustration of how different trans people are. Um, mm. We all identify, we may, we may use um, trans to identify that way. Some people may use non-binary. Some people may use gender non-conforming. Some people may use all of these terms. Some people may use none of them, but still be existing as a trans person. You know, it's not they're just kind of labels that we use to understand ourselves a little bit better or to communicate to other people kind of a little part of our identity. Um, But really understanding that trans people are not a monolith. And um, also to, to touch on something Em mentioned earlier as well about how like they're seen in the world as a woman often. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum where I appear as a cis male often but I also am very like playful with my gender expression so I especially at this point in my life it's like I have no problem wearing a dress or wearing a suit or wearing bright colors or being in all black or you know it's like my Mm -hmm. my outward expression um can vary so much and so it also, I do have that privilege as well where I can walk through the world um, and kind Mm -hmm. of get by without having to explain my transness if I don't necessarily want to. Um, Whereas there are other trans people who don't have that privilege. And for Mm -hmm. them, it is extremely dangerous to move through the world sometimes, um, oftentimes maybe um so just again kind of really understanding the the depth of our identities and that like there are so many intersections for all of us and again there's there's this 3d thing that is gender that isn't um it isn't stagnant it isn't static it's it's constantly changing and the more you personally go into yourself and explore your own gender, um, the more the more you're going to realize and the kind of deeper understanding you'll have of it. So it's not, it, it's really not static for anyone ever, um, but mm. we're often convinced or told that it's static. You know, it's like you're assigned male at birth, that's it. You're assigned female at birth, that's it. That's kind of your journey for the rest of this life. But that's a big misconception. Mm. Yeah.
2: That's great. I love that. I, I also, I would add, right, that like, we all experience some level of fluidity. I mean, like, yeah. you know, you get up every morning, and you decide what to wear. And some days you're like, I really want to do, you know, yeah, like a, a business suit. Uh, you know what I mean? And other days you get up and are like, I really wouldn't mind wearing this, you know, pink shirt. I don't know, it doesn't have to be your gender, right? Like, I'm just pointing out that we're We're fluctuating every day, even cis folks are experiencing fluidity in the day to day in terms of how they want to express themselves, what they feel in that moment. And it may not feel like a huge fluctuation day to day, but there is still fluctuation. And I think we can maybe learn from that and extrapolate on that just to understand that like some folks experience a much bigger fluctuation than you, but it's still the same process that's happening. Um, And some of that might be coming internally from them. Um, Some of it might be that they have sat with those questions and realized how made up all of our gender norms are, right? (laughs) And given themselves permission to be a little more free in that exploration. Um, Yeah. yeah. But I think exploring that fluidity like that also feels to me to be part of yoga, right? Like Mm. exploring change and the fact of change and the nature of change and exploring how to both be with change but also act with change right partner with Mm. it maybe if i want to get into some octavia butler right
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's beautiful i mean i love the idea of you know that connection to yoga again as like self-exploration and um maybe examining you know what our attachments are like what is it that we've what are the thoughts in our mind that we have identified with, you know, that we think we are, um, and maybe we could challenge those things. That sounds amazing. Um, I mean, I know for me, it's been around sexuality more, but I, I, it's interesting how people always conflate like sexuality and gender and really like they're so separate. I mean, there's, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that either, either of you. Um,
2: they're definitely separate. Um, Yeah. You know, and, and they're definitely like, I think there's so much gray there, which I find beautiful, right? Like we, again, just like gender, we tend to think in sort of binary terms, you know, within the LGBTQIA plus community, right? There's still, even within the community, stigma against folks who identify as bisexual or pansexual, because it's so ingrained in us that your sexuality is a binary also, right? You're gay or straight, Um you know and um <laughs> and i think um when we start to think particularly about like non-binary identity added in there um uh, like that kind of muddles the field of sexuality too right <laughs> like um if i'm a non-binary person attracted to women um you know what what sexuality do you assign to right, me? Right. Um, and I just, I love how beautifully gray that is because whenever something is that gray, it points out to me what is constructed and, um, mm-hmm. and again, just opens all those additional questions so I can continue to, to study and learn.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I know as like, as a gay men there's like so much transphobia in the gay community in the queer community mm-hmm. so much um ignorance i think um but that was that's a beautiful uh i like the gray thank you <laughs> <laughs> um any other thoughts like any well actually i have one thing i usually of these um in these podcasts we like to give people questions. And I feel like there's a lot of questions that already have come up. Do you want to maybe clarify a question for people? Um, Or more than one?
2: A question for them to, like, contemplate? Yeah,
1: to contemplate. We usually leave people with one question to contemplate from these conversations. that kind of summarizes the conversation. I mean, I, I've heard already that's just the question about questioning our own gender, like that we can all explore that, no matter how we identify, that that's important. Um, is that a good question to leave people with, or do you want to say it differently? Either of you?
2: Jenny, thoughts?
3: <laughs> the, the thing that's coming to mind for me right now is how are you creating space for gender exploration? Mm -hmm. Because I think that can apply to anyone. And I think it's kind of a good starting point for people. If, if maybe they've never really considered this stuff before, or if this is feels very new to them or kind of, I think anyone can consider their own gender exploration, but also like, especially for yoga teachers out there, like how are you creating space for gender exploration? Even within your own yoga classes, I don't necessarily think it means you need to be like talking about gender, but can you um, create a space where you're not gendering people um, and making those yeah. assumptions? Can you leave that room for people to to feel like they can explore within themselves how they identify?
1: And Em, were you going to say something?
2: Um no, I'm sorry if I interrupted. I couldn't hear oh. either of you for a minute.
1: Oh, we'll stay here. And Pooja was asking a great question, uh, which is, can you create space for that exploration of gender, right? So it, I think you're saying in, our, in in yourself and also in the spaces that you actually hold, right? Like when you're a teacher. Yeah. Um, that's beautiful. And I think, because to me, that's like, that's kind of how yoga works is like we work on ourselves and then you know we use that practice of working on ourselves to to teach from like that's right where the teaching arises yeah. from our own exploration so i think that's a great way to phrase it um will will try to summarize that in the notes and i just wonder anything else you want to share about um about this topic or about anything about your work or where people can find you i mean we can put some links to the trans yoga project i think you have a website now Yeah, Um,
2: absolutely. Yeah. Um, Um, I would say one thing to know about is that, um, we, one of the events we did during trans awareness week, which was also the week of our official launch in November, um, was the first installment of a series, um, that has at least seven more parts to come. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that information it's, it's the transitions series and it's, calls to action specifically for the yoga community, uh, in support of trans life. Um, and, uh, that information's on the website, which I know you'll link to, but it's, it's trans yoga Um, the next one will be in January. Um, and then, uh yeah, definitely you can find us at our website. We also have a Patreon. Um and support on the Patreon is always very appreciated and that's just patreon.com/transyoga.
1: Mhm. And so do you, what do you do on the Patreon? Do you offer any stuff like classes or talks anything or how
2: We um are We're sorting out the benefits for 2021 and trying to uh, create a little bit more content, I think, to go specifically to our patrons. Um, Right now we are, um, we are periodically posting um, recorded classes uh, as we have them, but not on any specific schedule. I think that's something we're, we're working on for next year. Um, And there are a few other benefits like um, first looks at, any new event that's coming up, first access to registration, um, and uh, mm-hmm. a monthly newsletter that we're we're working on to send out to our list, including all of our patrons.
1: And um, and for your individual work too, maybe we could link to that. I mean, if you have um, individual offerings, Did you have Prude? Do you have individual things you're offering too?
3: Yeah, yeah, I teach regular classes. Um, and I'm always offering different workshops and things. And I would just like to add, um, Em and I are two of the eight founding members of the Trans Yoga Project. So please check out Em and my personal work, but also please check out the other six members. We're all, we're quite a diverse group of people and we're all connected through yoga, but we all also kind of um, work in in spheres that kind of um, overflow from yoga as well. So yeah, I would just, suggest to check out all of our work.
1: <laughs> OK, and I imagine on the website, does everyone everyone's profile yeah, do. there? Yes, yes, Yeah. OK, um, that's great. And uh, any any other things you want to share before we end? Any other final thoughts?
2: You should uh, follow Prince Pooja on Spotify and everywhere I... else.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Prince Pooja, that's, that's your, um, is that on Instagram too, right? Yes. Correct. Okay. Uh, and on Spotify, that's your music. So I know yeah. you have a number of albums out. Is that right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I lead Kirtan, which is a practice of Indian devotional chanting. So I have a couple of Kirtan albums. Um, and then I also make some like electronic, um, music. Yeah. Original composition. So I have kind of a variety of stuff.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I've heard some of them. It's beautiful. And, um, and I, and I appreciate you being here today and sharing with us, both of you. So, I mean, that was really, that was really interesting. I really appreciate the, um, the education and the <laughs> inspiration and those awesome questions. So um, thanks so much. And, and we'll add some links and hopefully we'll hear from you again. I mean, you know, accessible yoga training, school would really like to support your work so we're going to keep in touch and you know you know M already works with with us so that's easy but um you know we'd love to stay involved
3: awesome. thank you so much thank for you. having us jivana and thank you M, for chatting as well
2: yeah thanks
1: <laughs> yeah thanks M. all right talk to you both later thank
2: you thank you okay, bye
0: Thank you for joining us for another week of the Accessible Yoga Podcast. I wanted to let you know that the new cohort of Jeebuna Heyman's Accessible Yoga Training Online is now forming. The next section of this flagship training will run January 22nd through February 5th. And the Accessible Yoga Training is a 30 hour continuing education program that will teach you a new way of thinking about yoga postures and practices that honors the essence of yoga, but allows you to design multi-level classes where students of different abilities, ages, shapes, sizes, and experience levels can all practice together with ease. You'll get support from experts around topics like trauma-informed teaching, working with larger bodies, yoga for seniors, yoga marketing, and much more with our team of Accessible Yoga Trainers. And since we're learning at home now, there's no travel expenses, everything's recorded with captions, and you can review materials and work at your own pace. So if this work is calling to you, we hope you'll go to AccessibleYogaTraining.com and sign up for the waitlist. Over the next few weeks, we'll be sending out information about the course, and teachings from Jeevana that will help you make your classes and learning spaces more accessible, whether you're teaching online, in person, or don't know what the heck is happening next. (laughs) So spend the beginning of 2021 developing your skills as a teacher who can make their classes accessible for all and have every student leaving your class feeling affirmed and successful. Join the waitlist now at AccessibleYogaTraining.com. We hope you'll leave us a review wherever you subscribe to your podcasts and also subscribe to this podcast. We love hearing your feedback. It really helps us to make it a little better each week. And we hope you'll give us some input on future guests or topics that you'd like us to cover. Just send us an email through our website, AccessibleYogaTraining.com. We'll see you soon. Thanks.